0: Good job, guys. They're the best, aren't they? Yeah, we should give them all a raise. Somebody got any pliers? We can raise up their chairs a little bit for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. Y'all can be seated, especially that Bob guy up there. You have to watch him. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's good to be in church today. Yes, yes, yes. I thought about, while I was sitting there just now, I I thought about doing this. I thought about coming up here and saying, you know what, Uh, Keith's not here. He went to flight school, and he got worn out, and he just doesn't want to come. And and Dave got offended at somebody, and (laughs) he didn't want to come. And I was just tired, and I didn't want to come, you know. You you know, so we just kind of all stayed home today. Didn't want to do what God told us to do today. So we just stayed home today. and just turn off the lights and go home. Okay, so let me ask you a question based upon that. How many of you got up the last two mornings and danced around your bed and laughed? Huh? About half a dozen people? So why do we have to do what God tells us to do and nobody else does? Ooh, burn! Right? Right? right we have to do what god tells us to do but nobody else has to do what god tells them to do right huh huh everybody has to do what god tells them to do or they should because it would have been real sad this morning if just nobody would have showed up for any of the services What if Bob or none of the players would have wanted to felt like showing up this morning or none of the singers, they would have just said, we don't want to today. We don't want to obey God today. And we didn't want to obey God today. And Kim didn't want to obey God today. And I didn't want to obey God today. And nobody just didn't want to obey God today. Be a big bummer bummer today. (laughs) But y'all didn't obey God today, so get up. Repent. How many of you were here Friday night? Raise your hand. Okay, get the smiles on your faces. You gotta do it in front of everybody now, because you didn't do it at home. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Okay, get your twirlies on. Get your twirlies on. Everybody's gotta do them a twirl. Yes, ah, ha. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Some of you still ain't doing it. You know what you are? You're just like you were when you were 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. Rebellious teenagers. That's what you are. No. One more time. Everybody. See if your neighbor's doing it and then tell on them if they don't. Ah, ha, 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 Yeah, there you go. There you go. And like Brother Hagin used to say, it'll help you. And it'll even do you good whether you know it or not. So you can sit down. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know what? I felt like that I needed to kind of carry over, and I said it in first service, what we did Friday night into this morning. Because so many people are going through life in the mully grubs, in the down in the dumps. And God gave me a title this morning, and it's called Choose Life choose life. So let's look at the verse that t- pertains to that, and we'll just jump right into it. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. It says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both thou and thou seed may live. Now, you understand, most people think they're choosing life. If you were to ask them, what are you going to choose today? Life. What are you going to choose today? Life. And you go through the crowd and you ask them, what are you going to choose today? But not an hour into you being around them, they're going to start talking some form of death. Death about their finances, death about their family, death about their relatives, death about their marriage, death about their body, death about something that pertains to them. And that's not life. You have to make a choice, a conscious choice to choose life. And the worst thing about being a minister... The worst thing about being a pastor, the worst thing about being a person that has any input into other people's life is when you see people and you've put things into their life and you know what they know and they're like what I just said. How many of you have ever been a teenager? (laughs) What about the rest of you? You just skipped that phase, I know. And mom and dad told you not to do something. They told you not to date that person. They told you not to wear that outfit. They told you not to smoke that, not to drink that, not to do that, not to go there. But as soon as you got away from them, what did you do? What did you do? That's what you did. That's what you did. That's who you went with. That's where you did. That's what you... That's just what most people did. Because they had to find it out for their own self. And that's what happens so much of the time when you're a minister or you're trying to help people and stuff. You tell them. You say, you know what? Don't go that way. Don't do that. Go this way. Do that. But you know what? So many people still have to find it out for their self. They don't want to take your word for it. They don't want to take your advice for it. They have to go down that road, and they have to not be able to pay all their bills, or they have to lose everything that they've got, or they have to do this or they have to do that and find out that they're about to lose their marriage or find out that their kids are going to mess up or find out that they're going to lose their house or they're going to lose their car or they're going to do this or they're going to do that on their very own. And it doesn't matter how bad you hurt for them. It doesn't matter how much you see ahead for them. It doesn't matter how much you could tell them. It doesn't matter if you could spell it out for them and, and hold their hand. Does it with your kids? You, you who have kids, raise your hand. Have you told your kids exactly what to do and they did just the opposite? And they still got hurt? They had to find out for themselves. Well, that's the way it is with the things of God. The God that I serve, I wonder sometimes if people really know Him, the way they talk about Him. I have a wonderful God. He is an amazing God. He is a loving God. He is a faithful God. He is a true God. He has never let me down. Never, ever, 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 ever let me down. He's always there for me. He wakes me up in the morning with joy. He puts me to bed tonight with, at night with peace. Amen. Amen. And throughout the day, He holds my hand and tells me what to do all day long. Yes. And He never leaves me without the answer. Never, never, ever, ever. He's never, never left me. Never forsook me. He's always been there for me. There's never been one time ever, ever, ever that we've not been able to pay a bill, not been able to pay our payroll, not been able to... He's never, never, never let us down. I know there's been a time or two that Karen's got her feathers in a ruffle and wondered where it's going to come from, but has it always been there? Yeah. It's always been there. Karen thinks if it's not there or a week in advance, it's not there.
1: <laughs>
0: she would have never made it when we parted the Red Sea, I don't think. But... <laughs> But she's getting there. She's getting there. But God has never let us down. That's the God that I serve. He is a God of life. He's not a God that you just barely, barely make it through life. He is a God that brings you joy. He brings you happiness. He's not a God that you just endure life. That's not life. Life is happiness. Life is overcoming. Life is victory. Life is that you don't wake up in the morning and say, it's another day. I have to get up and do this. Life is, you enjoy waking up in the morning. You enjoy seeing your spouse. You enjoy being around the people that you're around. You don't have to get up and wonder, oh God, who am I going to come in contact with today? What am I going to have to deal with today? Am I going to have to deal with this many fires today? I tell you what, I doubt seriously that most of the people in this room put out more fires than Dave and I do in a day. Is it true? I doubt seriously that most people get more emails or texts than, than we do. Well, you see how we got two churches. Look at all the people in these churches. And this one's tried to commit suicide. And this one's run off with this one's wife. And this one's happened with this. And this one's, this is happening and this is happening. And we deal with it all day long. And if we let people's problems and the things that's going on in people's lives around us get us down every time we hear something, then we would just be like this all day long. We have to choose life. And we have to choose good. Because that's the God we serve. He has the answers. He's a good Father God. And He chooses that we choose life. He gave us the answer. Choose life. He gave us the answer. It was an open book test. You know, when you went to school and they were going to give you a test, didn't you always love the open book ones? <laughs> gave you a pop quiz? Well, it's going to be an open book test. Yes. Well, this one is open book. It says, Choose Life. So, how do you choose life? How do you do it? What is life? Is life. Your TV set, the action shows, your friends, your relatives, everybody that you come in contact with that's doing bad things, your boss, your friends, your neighbors, everything that you're going through, that is your life. That's what so many people are looking to for their answers and that is not the answer. When you choose life, you choose what God says about it and you say what God says about it. That's how you choose life. Is by choosing what He says and what He does about it. Not by choosing what somebody else said about it and by what somebody else does about it. That's the only way you can choose life. And just like what just happened this morning... When we said Friday night that you will be weak if you don't choose to choose joy, you're choosing death. You chose death in that situation. Already, people in this room, all over this room, decided to choose what the devil wanted them to choose because they chose not to wake up in the morning and laugh at their situation. So they've already given the devil this much of a foothold in their life. Now, me as a pastor, you know what I would like to do? Get up, Kim. If I was your mother or your father, I'd want to go. And I know I could get sent to jail if I was in today's society for doing that. But that's what I'd want to do. Why? Because I know what can happen to you later on in your day or later on in your life because the devil will come back. And if you don't have that joy in your life, then he can just squash you like a bug. Thank you, Kim. (laughs) Because I know how easy it is for the devil to just squash people. And he's out to squash you like a bug. But if you have that joy in your life, he can't squash you. So what he's going to do is make you think it's not important that you do that. There's no big deal to it. Well, what is a big deal then? That you stay down in the dumps? Choose life. How do you choose life? By doing what Jesus said. By doing what he does. So let's look at some more scriptures. All right. Proverbs 18.21. Everybody in here said they wanted to choose life, right? Ten people over there do. So I'll just talk with them. 18.21 in King James says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The Amplified says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. The Living Bible says, those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. Men have died for saying the wrong thing. That means women too. The Message Bible says, words kill... Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Now, first service, I talked about this, and I think it's very important that we understand this. We are like sponges. Your spirit is like a sponge. And whatever you put in it is going to come out. Whatever you feed it, it's going to come out. So if you feed it constantly on, like I said, romance novels or TV programs that talk about violence all the time or uh, TV programs about romance or murder mysteries or bad things constantly... And you never feed it on the Word. And something happens in your life. What is going to be in it to come out? What's going to be there to come out? How many of you have ever seen... Now, I don't watch TV anymore, but I've heard enough talk about it. the, The shows that are on. What do they normally start with? Somebody got killed. What is that? Death. 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 So what is the devil instantly trying to promote in your life? Death. Death. He wants death working in your life night and day. He doesn't want life working in your life. So what's going to come out of you is going to be death. So, you know, one thing you should at least do if you're going to watch all that stuff is at least give it equal time with the word so that you can at least balance yourself out on the scale so that if something did happen, you would have something to come out. But what's happening is people are are feeding themselves on all the stuff. They're feeding themselves on their job and they're dealing with people all day long that are negative. They're dealing with the world's people and they're de- working with a person next to them that's negative all day. And they're negative. And they say negative stuff about their neighbor and they say negative stuff about their boss and they're a gossip and they are negative, 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 negative. Then they get home to their husband and he says something. And what are they to him? Negative. Negative. Because that's all they have in them. That's all they've heard all day long. He's negative. I remember... Now, no laughing at me, all right? Y'all promise? No. Everybody (laughs) says no. I remember when I was working in the secular world, I was working for a doctor, and all day long, I told people what to do, which I still have a big job that does that, you know? And I don't mean that in a bad way. That's just part of my job, is directing people as to what they need to do, you know? And it was one of my first ones that I did that, and I was constantly, you know, I managed a doctor's office that I had like 26 people underneath me at the time, and I was constantly doing that. And I remember one night, I had dealt with stuff all day long, and I was telling people what to do, and I was telling people what to do, and I came in, and uh, I don't remember how, what I told, but I walked in the door, and, I, and uh, Keith was there, and he'd been at work all day, or her school, or whatever the situation was, teaching all day, and I came in, and it was supper time or something, and I said, get that plate, do this, do that, and he looked at me, and he says, whoa. Whoa! And he just waved his hands like that. He says, You're home now! What was in me? Huh? Telling people what to do. That's what I'd been doing all day long. So that's the words that were coming out of my mouth. It's what I had in me. It's what I knew. It's what I'd been doing all day long. And that's what we do. Now, if somebody messes up that's around us and we don't have anything in us but what we've been feeding on the TV or our jobs or our negative in-laws or our friends or our people that are gossiping or our text or our emails or whatever's going on and nothing is positive and somebody around us messes up what are we going to give them? What's in you? Judgment or negative? There won't be any peace or anything to come out of you. Let's read a verse about it. Galatians 6.1. In the King James, it says, Brothers, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual... Now, how many spiritual people do we have in here this morning? I would say, yeah. Some of you raised your hand, some of you didn't. You were afraid of the question. You didn't know where it was going. (laughs) You have learned me too well. How many spiritual people? Yeah, go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. It says, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also should be tempted. Now, the Amplified says it this way. If a person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore him and reinstate him without any sense of superiority with all what? Gentleness. Gentleness. With all what? Gentleness. Gentleness. Keeping an attentive eye on yourself... Lest you should be tempted also. Now, how is it possible? Somebody really smart in here, stand up. If you're really smart, stand up. Come on, yeah, beef. Yeah, stand up. Thank you. Thank you. Wise, wise. How is it possible, Kevin? See, he's the only one, he knew he was in first service. He already knows the answers. She's going to make a good confession. How is it possible to help someone if you ain't got nothing in you? None possible. None possible. Do you have to have something in you to help somebody else? Absolutely. What if all you got in you is action violent shows? What are you going to put out?
1: A lot of violence. A lot of violence. And actions.
0: And actions.
1: (laughs) Ain't going to be pretty.
0: It ain't going to be pretty. Violent actions. So how can you, thank you, Kevin. Yeah. How can you who are spiritual, what does it take to be spiritual? What do you got to be filled with? What do you got to be filled with to be spiritual? TV. Romance novels. Gossip. You got to be filled with some word. And what happens to us is we are not strong enough to help somebody else because so many of us, Of us have fallen ourselves. And what happened to Adam and Eve when they fell? They hid. They fell back themselves and they hid. So when they hid, could they help anybody else? Absolutely not. So you've got to be strong enough and build yourself up enough to where when somebody else does something wrong, you've got something in you to build them up. And that's what's happening in the body of Christ today. That's why that seat's empty. That's why that seat's empty. That one, that one. That one. That one. That one. That one, that one, that one, that one. Because people are falling. And instead of us being strong enough to say, you know what? Yeah, you missed it. You messed up. You know what? I messed up too. And they messed up too. And and everybody's messed up except Jesus. But you know what? Come on back in. Come on back in, and we'll get it fixed. Because everybody's messed up. That's what Jesus does for us. He fixes us. That's who He is. He's the fixer. And He'll show us how to fix it. And get your words working for them. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your sister. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's the person that stole that 100000 we talked about Friday night from you. Maybe you're the only one that can fix it because you're the spiritual one. Maybe they slapped you and maybe it was your opportunity to be able to walk in love with them because you're spiritual, you can take it. It's the unspiritual ones that wear their feelings on their sleeve and the first time something happens, what happens? That action violent show comes out. Because that's what you're full of. I said this first service, you know, there's that commercial and, and the little kids are on the soccer field. They play it on the Disney Channel. I don't know if they play it on the other channels or not. And the little kids are on the soccer field. And the, the mom says, I my kid's a little sluggish today. And he says, why, you know? Well, because he eats French fries and he looks like a box of French fries. Because he is what he eats. You are what you eat. You're full of what you put inside you. And you're just like a sponge. And just like what I said first service. If a sponge mops up milk up off the floor and I touch that fl- sponge, what's going to come out of it? If, it? if it's got tea in it, what's going to come out of it? If it's got Kool-Aid in it, what's going to come out of it? So if you have been soaking in things that you shouldn't soak in, If you've been soaking in pornography, if you've been soaking in adultery, thoughts constantly bombarding your mind about it, what's going to come out of you? Judgment. Do you know the worst people to judge are the ones that are doing it? People are real quick to judge. See how quiet it got on that one? (laughs) The reason that they judge is because they don't want anyone knowing that they're doing it. So they're very critical of other people that are doing the very same thing because they don't want anyone to get too close to them. So they'll be real judgmental of someone else that's doing those very same things. And that's what this verse is talking about. It's don't put, do it without a sense of superiority with gentleness. Keeping an eye on yourself because you'll be tempted to do the same thing. We should restore each other. We should be ready to build each other up. And how do we do that? When somebody messes up, it talks about it. Let's, Let's look at another verse here just a minute and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Proverbs 18, 14 in the King James. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear it? The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit, who can raise it up or bear it? The NIV says, A man's spirit sustains him in sickness, But a crushed spirit, who can bear? The message says, a healthy spirit conquers, what? Adversity. Adversity. But what can you do when the spirit is crushed? And what has people, as a rule, had a tendency to do when someone has messed up? You ever seen anybody on TV, okay, say somebody messed up and you see it on the news? Some movie star or something messed up. What does everybody do? Can you believe they did that? What do they do? They judge them. They talk about it. They say what they did. Well, it's the same thing in the church. Say something happens with somebody over here in the church and they missed it really, really bad. What do they need from you? They need you to not voice it one more time. They need you to not spread it over your text. They need you to not give the devil one more ounce of advertising. They need not. Do you know our society today can spread a rumor around the world that's not even true in 30 seconds? People don't even know if it's true or not, but it's around the world. Is that who we are as Christians? Is that our job to do that? So what if it is true? So what if you heard, Greg had an affair today. He didn't, but so what if you heard that? It's the right thing for you to do, for Victor to start talking, talking. Did you hear about Greg? Did you hear what happened? Bless his heart, let's pray for him. All in the guise of, let's pray for him. But you know what it's doing? It's still doing this. And words do what? Kill. And they hurt people. And what will it do to Greg if he wants to walk back in these doors here? It'll make it very, very, very hard for him to come into a place that he should be welcome to come back into. The place that should be secure for him to be able to come into. The place he should be welcome to come into. So he messed up. Raise your hand if you never messed up. I don't see a one, and i got TV lights, but let's see. Look at your neighbor. See if their hand's up. Check it for me. I I don't see a one of somebody that's never messed up. This should be a haven for mess-ups. When we started this church, the Lord dealt with me about, this is the place of the second chance. And I believe it with my whole heart. It's a place that if somebody has messed up so bad that the whole world cast them out and talked about them, they should be able to come in here and all they would get is somebody that would love on them and never talk about them again as long as they live. That's who we are supposed to be. Words hurt people. Even under the guise of, let's pray for them. If they had an affair, if they did drugs, if they smoked marijuana, if they talked about somebody, if they did something wrong, what is your job to do? Zip it. Because every person that you tell is going to tell five. And they're going to tell five, and they're going to tell five. And who's getting magnified, God or the devil? And he is accomplishing exactly what he wants to accomplish. And that person's spirit is getting crushed. And who can stand a crushed spirit? How do you feel when you know people are talking bad about you? Do you want to just walk into a room like this? That's how you want to walk in when you know everybody's talking negative about you, right? You can just hold your head up high, and it doesn't really matter what, any, what anyone is saying. You're strong enough to do that, right? No, most people are not. Most people, if they know someone is talking to them, talking about them negative, what, what is their tendency to do? Stay away. Or do what else? Talk about them. Talk about them. It starts rumors going in the other direction. Did you know what they did? Then you have controversy. Then you have strife. And we should be a place that it wouldn't matter if our brother slapped him, if he had an affair with her and he had this happening with them and and this one was doing this and this one stole this from this one. Maybe they did. But what you might not know is maybe they repented five minutes ago and they got it right and they went to the Lord and they came to us and they got everything right and maybe it's all fixed and you're the one in sin now and not them. We should be a place that God can wrap His arms around people and love them and coddle them. And you know what? If they messed up, it's between them and God, not between you and God and them. Because He is a God of love. And I don't want Him judging me on the basis of me judging somebody else. I don't want him correcting me on the basis of what somebody else has done because I've corrected what they've done or said whether they did it was right or whether they did it was wrong. I want my words building them up. So if Greg messed up, my only words were, I, you know what? I don't know what happened to that. I know Greg's a good man. Everything I've ever seen him do, he's been faithful. He sat there in the church. Change the conversation with the people. Teach them how to be good Christians. You who are spiritual do what? How many spiritual people did I have in here? How do we restore such a one? We begin saying something positive instead of something negative. You find something good to say about them. You say, every time I saw Greg, he was sitting right there on the front row, faithful as he could be, serving every time I saw him. And that's what you do. And you just slap the devil in the face with what he's trying to start. And you let God work out whatever's going on in Greg's life with Greg. And you trust him to work out what's going on in your life with you. And you get your words working on it. Now that's talking about somebody far away from you that you might not know. Let's get a little bit closer to home. Hmm? What about if your spouse messed up? What about if they did something really, really dumb? Is it our job to get our words working negative and correct them because we know what went on with them? Where does it say anywhere in the Bible that you are to tell your spouse and correct them and judge them for what they did? It's the same thing. Maybe they fixed it and you don't know it. We were talking about this in first service. Get your words working for them. Get your words saying something positive about them. I said it this way, and I guess I can say it again because y'all are really quiet in here and you could use the break. (laughs) Maybe there's men in here today. I mean, I ask this question. How many women in here have ever watched a romance show or read a romance book? And saw the guy in there, and he was just this mushy, loving, caring, and he did everything for you. And, I mean, he was just the perfect, perfect guy, and um, he did it all right. And your husband has always done that all the time. I mean, he's always spot on all the time, and he's mm, everything perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's just what I thought. Uh, So we really shouldn't base our life on romance novels. Because you know what? What it does is it sets a precedent that can't be true, that's fake and false. And the devil gets in and he tells you and makes you say things like, I don't have a good marriage. And gets these words of negativity working in your life. And instead of life, you have yeah. death. I don't, Victor's not a good man. Why did God make me marry him? Endure this forever. <laughs> Shannon wakes up in the morning and says, God, why did you give me that man? <laughs> no. She's saying positive things over him. Instead of watching some show and sitting there and thinking he's no good because he, he didn't bring her a rose today. Like I said, first service, did she give him one? Yeah. And it's the same thing with the guys. So many guys go through life thinking, well, I didn't get the perfect wife. She's not got everything right. She doesn't look exactly right. She doesn't look like a Victoria's Secret model. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should buy you a new mirror.
1: <laughs>
0: because um, what, what's she getting, you know, in the other half? What, <laughs> somebody's still laughing back there. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, let's live in reality. You know, don't let the devil start little spats in your life over words and things and get you to saying things and be negative about things that you should truly be positive about. He's got people thinking that the grass is so much greener on the other side when there ain't even any grass over there. <laughs> it's dead. Because that's what the devil brings is death. And he'll get you to leave. The Bible says, "Who that finds a life finds a good thing. And obtains favor of the Lord. And you could leave this wife and go out into the world and find death. And maybe she does weigh a little more than what you thought you wanted. Maybe you lost a little hair or maybe you got a little wrinkle here and there. You know what? Or maybe she thought you could cook and you can't. You know, or maybe she thought you'd pick up your underwear and you leave it out. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Choose life. Choose the positive. Maybe everything ain't just the way you imagined it would be. Maybe her supper doesn't turn out just exactly the way that she thought it would be. You know, and maybe she can't cook like mama cooks. Oh, that was too loud over there. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe you don't mow the lawn either, you know. Or maybe you can't work on a car, you know. I mean, there's trade-offs. How many of you got the exact, 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 exact thing you were looking for in a mate? I mean, they do it exactly the way you thought. Nothing is different than what you thought. I mean nothing. They cook exactly the way you think. They clean exactly the way you think. They dress exactly the way you think. They fix their hair the way you think. They smell the way you think. They never stink. They wake up in the morning and they're looking sharp. Huh? Did you get any surprises when you married them? huh how many of you got some surprises when you got married (laughs) yeah you got some surprises but you know what that's called life and that's what brings joy to your life you should embrace those things i tell keith all the time hey you married me (laughs) nobody made you I am, I am full of life all the time. I never change. Dave gets so tickled at me. He'll just sit there and look because we'll be in the truck and Keith and I will be in the front seat or something and Dave will be in the back with us or something and going somewhere. And I'm constantly... Okay, Keith went to flight school recently. Let me tell you the story and then I'll get back to that other one. And the, the lady, he had a lady examiner giving him his test this last week or so. And uh, she was in the back and she was giving him his flight exam. Okay, and she... Their objective is to distract the pilot so that they will mess up. Okay. That's their objective. Okay. So Keith's up there. He's got a fire in one engine. He's got icing on the wings. He's got a mess going on in the cockpit. All these things are going on. And the lady examiner is trying to distract him, talk to him, telling him things, do things. And he said, I just ignored her. And in a few minutes, I answered her question. I said, and I think it was Dave that said it first. He said, that woman was no way going to distract him does she not know who your wife is <laughs> i since the day we met the day we met i am constantly i'm doing this or i'm doing this or i'm doing this or i'm picking or i'm doing this or i'm hitting his hand or i'm pulling on him or, and he never even notices i'm constantly beating on him or just the other day we was going down the road and I was kind of half strangling him like this you know he's trying to drive you know and and, you know I'm just that's who I am I am a very active person in case you can't tell but I'm full of life I don't like death I don't like dark I don't like death I don't like anything about it but he knew that when he married me it's like Brother Jesse says, he got him a Cajun girl and they're full of spice. <laughs> but that's the way life is. And you should be glad for the surprises. And you should be happy with the surprises. And instead of trying to quench the surprises in the other person, you should embrace them and say, okay. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> because God is life. And begin saying the positive things about the situation. Maybe they didn't do it exactly the way that you thought. Or maybe it didn't turn out exactly the way that you thought. But there ain't no grass on the other side. There's none. There's death when you go the other way. So start saying the positive things over what you want. Whether it's your marriage or your finances or your job or your house or your car. Let me read you this other verse here. Let's see if I can find it. I've got them all mixed up here, but we'll find it. Um, I read it to you earlier. It's the message. It says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. Now, what do you want coming out of your mouth? Do you want poison words speaking over this person that you're living with? No. That's what's happening every single day. Speaking poison words over the people that are around you because when you wake up in the morning, you're grumpy because you don't have anything in you but that negative action show or that negative romance show or you're sad or you're down and that's all you have in you. So you have nothing to give anyone else that's around you. So when they push your button just a little bit, what comes out? Here's this sponge. What's going to come out? Death. Death, junk. You don't have anything left to give. There's nothing in there but chocolate milk. There's no word. There's no substance. There's no life because you have no life in you. Life comes from God. And if you don't spend any time with God, you don't spend any time in his word, you don't spend any time in his presence, you have no life. If you spend time with the devil, you have what? Death. And that's all you can minister to anyone else. So when they mess up, if Mike messes up and does something wrong, then the only patience that he has to give to Shara or Shara has to give to him is what they've put in them all day long. Right. And after all it's been is dealing with mess and dealing with problems and dealing with... You've got to stay built up to deal with people's stuff all day long. And if you're dealing with people all day long and you're dealing with things you don't like to deal with, then you've got to double up on it. And you don't have time to deal with problems of your own. You, if you're going to help somebody else, if you know, okay, then David and, and uh, all these people in this Israel have, have got problems all day long, and David's got to deal with them all day long. Does he have time to think about his problems? What should he be doing instead of watching TV? He better be building himself up or they're going to drain him down, and he ain't going to have an ounce of life in him. Say he's got family members or he's got people that's pulling on him constantly, constantly draining him, taking his money, taking his life, just draining him. Does he have time just to be gossiping and watching romance? I know he's watching a lot of romance novel shows. (laughs) What should he be putting in him? Life. Jesus, God, life. Because... If he doesn't, then what's going to happen is somebody's going to step on his toe. And what's he going to do? Huh? He's going to react. And how he reacts is going to depend on what's inside of him. He's either going to react good words or he's going to react short, snappy, hard. And who do we have a tendency to do that to? The ones we love. The ones closest to us. Why do we do that? Because we think they'll stay. We think they'll be there. We think they'll put up with it. And why should they have to? Why should they have to put up with our shortness and meanness and harshness and coldness and all that stuff? They should be the ones that gets the best of us. The joy of our life. The fun of our life. But as it turns out, they get the bitterness of our life and the hardness of our lives. Because we go out into the world and we deal with everybody else out there and we give them the good because we want them to see a good front. And we go home and let down on the very ones that we love the most. Because we have nothing left. And you can't spend what you don't have. Keith tells me that all the time, but he tells it to me in a different area. He's like, he's like, Bill, you know what? When a plane gets on reserve, it's too late. You can't refuel it in the air. And he's talking about me burning the candle at both ends. He's like, Bill, you have to rest. You have to rest. Sometimes you have to rest. When you get on reserve, it's too late if you're in the air. And that's what he tells me. He's like, you're in the air and you're about on reserve. So I know what that means. Now you know what it means if you ever hear him say it. (laughs) It's like, you're in the air. In other words, stop, rest, refuel. And it's the same way with you. And it doesn't just mean sleep and eat. Refuel means build yourself up on the inside so that when these words spout out of your mouth, they're not bitter. They're not hard. They give life to somebody. They encourage somebody. They build somebody up. They help somebody. Because we that are spiritual should restore the people around us. And maybe the person around you is strong enough and they don't act like it bothers them when you do that to them. But you know what? How many of you in here really like to be spit upon all the time? Or somebody take out all their troubles on you? It gets old, doesn't it? Nobody likes it. Everybody likes to be around happy, joyful, full of life people. And that's who we're supposed to be. And that is the God that we serve. He gives us the things on the inside of us. But if we're so flying through the air on reserve, we don't have anything left to give. And that's where most people are, not just Phyllis. <laughs> There's a lot of you been flying through life on reserve. And you don't have anything left to give. There's nothing left in your, in your gas tanks. There's nothing left to give because you're trying to do what people that's been in the ministry 46 years have done. But you're, you can't do it because you, you haven't started at square A and you're on reserve. And you got to go step by step by step, keep filling yourself up, giving it out, fill up, give it out, fill up, give it out. And that's the way you grow. And you fill up and you give it out in love and you help that person. And then the next person that comes along, you help them and you're going to find out you're going to be growing on the inside and you're going to have forgotten all about these little tests and trials that's going on in your life. You just forget about them. They just disappear. They just go away. By the time Dave and I are done dealing with the day, it's like, do we have something going on that we personally need to deal with? Is there something going on? What about our spouses? What about our... What about this? What about that? What, where are we supposed to be tomorrow? Because you don't literally have time to think about it. You're so busy dealing with all the other things that are going on. Neither one of us knew where we were going to be Thursday. Okay, where are you going to be? Okay, where are you going to be? And you can get so wrapped up in doing the things that you're doing for the Lord and so built up in restoring other people. That you have so much inside you. If you spent just today thinking about how can I restore my spouse? How can I restore my kids? Yeah, they messed up and they were mean to me and they treated me bad and they said all these things about me. Think about somebody. Who did that to you? Think just a minute. Who treated you bad? Most everybody in here has got somebody they can think of. Got them? Okay, do something for them. Restore them. Figure out a way to restore them. You raised your hand. You said you were spiritual. I saw you. (laughs) And you know what? Devin, is he up there? Is Devin up there? Who's up there? You got it on video, right? They raised their hand. So we all are in the restoration business, and we all should be able to restore somebody. So what did what have they done that's so bad that they don't deserve restoration? Is there anything? that they shouldn't be restored for? The only reason that they wouldn't be restored is that if we were too immature with the word that's in us, that we were too immature to be strong enough to forgive them. That our word level was so low, that our love level was so low, that we couldn't forgive them. So that we needed to grow in love. And we're not there, are we? We're bigger than that. One, two, three, four, six three, four. Six people are bigger than that. You, s- you might say, well, you don't know what they said about me or you don't know what they did to me or you don't know what they took from me. What did Jesus do for you? Did he do something for you when you didn't deserve anything? He gave you life, an abundant life. Did you deserve it? Nobody deserved it. But he gave us everything even though we didn't deserve it. And we are supposed to be the examples of him here in the world. And that's what we're supposed to do for the people. And I'm not going to come in contact with that person probably that mistreated you. But why do you think they probably mistreated you? But maybe we should read it again. Put Galatians six one up there in the Amplified. And let's all just read it together. Brothers. Now, does that mean sisters too? Okay. Brothers and sisters, if any person. Now, wait a minute. Who does that leave out? No one. Okay, let's everybody read it together. Okay, if any, any person, person is overtaken, overtaken in misconduct or, or sin, sin of any, any sort, now stop right there. Name me one thing that doesn't cover. Say it loud. One thing, any sin or misconduct. That means any, right? Okay. You who are spiritual. Now, somebody tell me if somebody didn't raise their hand in here, we can we can leave them out. But I think everybody did. Okay. You who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the spirit, should set him right. Restore. Reinstate. Say that's me. I'm spiritual. Some of you still ain't saying it. Remember at the first of the service we had some things happening and we said that that meant that people were what? Teenagers. Just because their mama told them to do something, they would do just the opposite. And we're not that way, right? right? The reason that you don't want to be that way is because you don't want it happening to you. You ever heard of a verse called sowing and reaping? Yes. What if you did something? God forbid I would ever do anything and I wouldn't have people that cared about me enough. Sometime I heard somebody say this. I heard something say like somebody say like, Could you ever see Billy Graham or Oral Roberts? standing on a street corner begging for money? Never. Never. Could you ever see that happening? Could you ever see them standing on a street? Why? Somebody would take them in because they've sown so much in their lifetime. Somebody would recognize them, see them out there and say, God forbid you should stand out here on this street corner like this because of all you've sown for God. Come, I'll take you in. I'll take care of you. Why? Because of what they'd sown with their lives. Well, it's the same thing with us, guys. We want to sow in such a way to other people. It doesn't matter how bad they've mistreated us. You want to sow. You don't know the end from the beginning. You don't know what the next 10 years holds. The only reason some people haven't been tempted is because God knows they're going to fall if they get tempted. You don't know. You need to sow mercy. You need to sow grace into people's lives. And if they've messed up, you go to them and say, hey, look, I know you probably messed up on that. And I know we had trouble over it. But you know what? It's no big deal. We're good. And walk away. Don't even make them face you and look at you about it or Let them know in some way. Restore them to their place in God. Don't ever leave a person to where they can't get to God because of something that's happened with you and them. And if it's a separation between you and them and God, fix it. Would you want something happening to you that something happened to where somebody said something or did something and it caused a gap to keep you from being able to come in a church door? never so our job if we're spiritual is to restore a person no matter what they've done even if they did it to us I don't know how many people I've called that's gotten upset about something and taken responsibility was I right? I don't know I don't know technically probably not But if it got them back in church and they could grow, it's worth it. It's worth it. Because I like people loving God. I like them going to heaven. I don't like anybody going to hell. And you should be the same way because you're spiritual. Are you spiritual? Okay, let's put the verse back up there. Uh, reinstate one without a sense of what superiority. superiority, with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted. Also, say, I don't want to be tempted. I, be tempted. I won't be tempted. I won't be tempted. I won't be tempted. <laughs> Words that we say about other people matter. Maybe things haven't been good in your household. Maybe things haven't been good with your family. Maybe things haven't been good around the people that you have been around. What you need to start doing is start saying what you want to come to pass in those situations instead of what has been in those situations. Start calling what you want to happen. And the only way that you can do that is by getting yourself filled up with the things that God wants you to say about it. Get yourself filled up with the life of God in you. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be considering one another to provoking one another to love. How do we do that? By taking everything to heart that people say about us? By saying something bad about them in response to what we've heard? Does that provoke love in them? The Amplified says... Let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watch over one another, study how we may stir up, stimulate, incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. We incite each other to love. We can help each other to walk in this love toward other people by what we do to each other. Maybe other people haven't been strong to walk in love. Maybe your spouse, maybe your neighbor, maybe the person that you work with, maybe your boss, maybe other people around you haven't been good about doing things that are saying the right things or walking in love. And maybe when you do push them, they've watched too many action shows and they're violent. But what you do can incite them to love. What you do can cause reactions in their life that they didn't even know. Maybe everything in their life has been bad. Maybe they've had this picture of everything bad, bad, bad. Maybe everything in your life has been bad, and you've been saying bad things about it. But people around you, what the Scripture says, evil communications can what? Well, good communications can what? Incite. Love. Love good things by what you say about the people around you. First service, I showed this video, and I want to do it again here in just a minute. But I want you to understand, whatever is rooted and grounded in your thought processes and in your mind and in your heart about your past, no matter how bad your marriage has been, no matter how bad this situation was, and see, it's still too quiet in here about going and and forgiving and correcting those people. Did y'all sense we never really got past that? But that's not between me and you. That's between you and God. That's something you have to work out your own salvation about. But I'm going to show you this video, and I think you'll understand a little bit more about it. Sometimes you have to put the past behind you and make a clean slate and move forward. This morning, um, when Rick was doing the offering, first service, he told about that in order to build this wonderful new facility this word production center this glorious thing that we're going to be able to send the word around the world that my husband is the most excited I've seen him and I can't remember when about sending the word around the world to be able to do something as glorious as that we had to put some past things behind us we had to tear out some of the old to start with some of the new and some people like I said on Friday night are stuck in a rut Because they're attached to some of the old life. And they're never going to be able to move forward with some of the new life because they're so envisioned and ingrained in some of the old stuff and the things that they've said and the things that they do. But can we show that video? Camera one right here. Headset. Can he show that? That's David back there. Oh, He's got it. There it goes. Look at this. We had to tear down that shack... How fast is that? He's making speedy little work out of that shack, isn't he? And we just used that shack not too long ago. But it was kind of an eyesore. But watch what this crane does, whatever this thing is called. Watch what it does when it's done. It packs it all up in a neat little pile and sits there on top of it.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, that's what you need to do with some of the crud in your past and some of the bad things you've been thinking about and some of those people that you don't want to forgive. You just need to rip it out and tear it out and get rid of it and haul it off and paint yourself a pretty new picture. Dig up the old... And start with some new. Get your life on a track that God has planned for you. Get some life in your life. Instead of just going through life, enjoy life. There's a big difference in the two. And I want to see a beautiful building up there. I want to see something that's going to produce something. Don't you? Well, we could have kept that shack up there and it wasn't producing too much. I mean, it was producing a little. But the big building is going to really, really produce some stuff. So in order to really produce, we had to get rid of the old and tear it down and get rid of it. And that's what we have to do in our life sometime. We have to get rid of that old junk that's not any good to us. And we have to get some good words working in our life and words that produce things for us in our life. And words that benefit us and benefit the people around us. Maybe your wife can't cook. Maybe you should start saying she's one of the best cooks around. I'm telling you what. Tiffany's sitting back there looking at me laughing. Yeah, she can cook, but, you know, maybe somebody else can't. You know, maybe she can't clean. You know, maybe he doesn't clean. Start saying positive things up. He always picks his underwear up off the floor. (laughs) Maybe he hadn't done it in 40 years. You keep confessing he never picks his stuff up off the floor. He always leaves those wet towels hanging around. Well, how long have you been saying that? Huh? He never does anything I ask him to do. He always wears those wore-out pants. She always says things that embarrass me every time we go somewhere. How long have you been saying that? My kids never listen to me. How long have you been saying that? Those words are poison to you. They're death to you. They won't bring you any joy. They won't bring you any life. I just can't stand to work with them. We just can't get along. Well, keep it going. I, I know. I, I How long have we been in the Word, Keith and I? And sometimes Keith will look at me and say, Phil, is that really what you want? And I'm going, No. You really want that to come to pass? No. And we've been doing it a long time, so I know it's easy to do. But we have to watch it. We have to have to watch these words that come out of our mouth. I just feel like crud today. Well, you want to feel that way all day long, huh? I just hate the way I look. Well, how long are you going to hate it? I just hate my hair. Well, how long are you going to hate it? Get some positive words working for you. If you got to put them up on your mirror, if you got to write them in your phone, if you got to put them on an iPad, if you got to write them wherever you can see them, whatever has been haunting you and bothering you, get some good words coming out of your mouth. Amen. Get the positive things. I've got the world's best marriage. My life is totally awesome. I'm a blessing to everybody I come in contact with. I bring joy to everybody I see. Maybe everybody that sees you right now
1: runs.
0: (laughs) Get your words working for you instead of working against you. And be a blessing to those around you. Make them want to be around you. Speak words of faith over them. Speak words of life over them instead of words of negativity over them. They got enough negativity. How many of you have got too much positive going on in your life right now? You just can't handle one more ounce of positive, anybody speaking anything positive over you. That's what I thought. Most of us can handle a whole lot more of people saying good things about us. Most of us can handle a whole lot more of people being positive over us. Most of us can handle somebody saying something good about us. Or, That's a good job. You did a good job on that. You look really nice today, by the way. And you do. And, you know, people can handle that sort of thing. It doesn't take much to make somebody feel good about themselves. hold their head up a little bit higher. That's That's who we are. Our words should bring life to people, not death. We should never let poison spew out of this thing. Never. To anyone. Not our spouses, not our kids, not our neighbors, not our bosses, not our co-workers, not anyone. Stand to your feet. And I'm going to read you this very last one. It's the I got it out of the message Bible, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Put it up on the screen for me if you would. Matthew 12, 37. Read that with me. Words can be your salvation, and words can be. Ooh. Ouch, right? What do we want? Salvation. salvation. I believe every person in here wants salvation, not only for their self, but for every person that they're around, right? We're not a selfish people. We're a people that loves other people and cares about how they feel and what's better for everybody around us, right? Thank you, Lord. You guys got something?